Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. That's how you know the song is over, when the, the Recreate band rocks out and turns over everything. I just didn't see, I didn't think of Isabel as being the one. Oh, it was Alexis. Never mind. See, I, I knew it. I thought it would be Elijah, like, turning stuff over, so just rocking out. It is, you notice that we have the electronic drums up here. That is for your protection. Because if he had a real set of drums in here, y'all walk out disoriented and dizzy. But no, he does a great job. I'm so glad Caitlin's here with us today, making music with us today. Here at Recreate, we, we have a motto, and you know it. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. I'm so blessed to have several guys who do an amazing job of speaking up here. And uh, you're going to see one of, the, one of the most amazing of them all. The most recently minted U.S. citizen in the room. It is Duncan Crook. Woo! That's, that's you. That's your walk-on, man. I can't hype you any more than that, buddy. I was waiting for music. Rocky's running up the steps, and now you're, that's you. All right. might help if I turn this on. It would. Okay. Gratitude is with one T, just telling you. <laughs> There's a new American. I, <laughs> is that the British spelling of gratitude? Because you, you're going to you're gonna have to reel that stuff back. <laughs> the word color has no U in it and very uh, other things. You know, so. Well, as it says, uh, by the way, if you don't know me, my name is Duncan Crook. And uh, thank you, Michael, for not putting any pressure on me. Uh, again, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. Hopefully it's yours <laughs> that I'm here today. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about citizenship and you may all know that recently uh, again after taking a few years for me uh, to get to it I chose to become a U.S. citizen yeah <laughs> like I said amen amen keep, keep that going like I said it took a few years to get here I've actually been in the country since just about uh, around my 21st birthday so just a couple of years uh, yeah, because this is like a, just old makeup. Uh, phew. Let's start again. So, and again, and that's when I went through citizenship, tr citizenship training in the past. They used to make us all go through night school, and it was literally months of it. We went through classes, and, you'd, you'd, they, uh, and you paid a fortune. You'd go through a class, and you'd sit through it, and I literally, it was tough to go through because most of the classes were people that could hardly speak English, and they were teaching the class. So I ended up actually teaching the class on some of those instances. And then in one of those times, <coughs> and I just, I just gave up, and when one of the presidents at that time decided that I'm going to bring a whole bunch of illegals in and put them in a stadium and go, you're a citizen! And I just got mad, and I should have just run down to the stadium instead of getting angry <laughs> and, and, and ran down there, but it was in California, and I, wasn't, I was all the way over here. But, and again, better late than never. So uh, you learn a little bit of wisdom when you get older, and I'm still learning. There we go. Is it good? Oh, okay. I just wondered whether it was blowing too much in there. So I took a ceremony in Norfolk, so they made me drive back and forth. 
And Norfolk was the closest place for the uh, immigration, uh, where immigration service was. So that's quite a hike uh, from here, going down uh, all the way across the bottom of the, of the I was going to say the country, of the state. Uh, in the ceremony in Norfolk, the man giving us all the information and then swearing us in, he was more concerned with getting through what he had to do rather than get passion behind it because he had other services that he had to go through. And the reason I know that is is because he had uh, some other man there trying to learn what he was doing. He goes, you just got to keep up with me, brother. He says, you got to keep up with me. And he was just going speedy, and he was talking like this, and he was getting in there, and, he was, and I, I swear most people could not understand what he was saying. Uh, but he was really concerned uh, about, like I said, uh, getting through it. Now, the others in the room had trouble too. And, but I think what he was missing because of the passion behind him getting done <laughs> was that it's a really big deal to become a citizen and they shouldn't play it down. And I used to be a, a manager uh, training uh, for t t two major companies, two car companies, and we used to talk about that all the time. You know, don't lose the passion behind what you're talking about. Remember that people haven't heard what you're saying and they're really excited about it. So that's, uh, you know, th that was the piece that I think I, I actually told him afterwards, but the, uh, and I don't think, I think he was too busy thinking about the next one to even listen. So what are the responsibilities to becoming a U.S. citizen? So you've got to take an oath of allegiance. The oath includes several promises you'll make when you become a citizen. And promises include, you've got to give up all prior allegiance to any other nation or sovereignty. You've got to swear allegiance to the United States. America. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> Support and defend the... Con That's been a long time coming, people. <laughs> Support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States and serve the country when required. And I laughed, and the guy says, why are you laughing? I go, well, if you want these old bones, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to them. Uh, and I just don't think he got it. But anyway, U.S. citizens have many responsibilities other than the ones mentioned in the oath. Citizens have a responsibility to participate in the political process by registering and voting in elections. Now, serving on a jury is another responsibility of citizenship. Finally, and I think more importantly, America becomes stronger when all of its citizens respect the different opinions, cultures, ethnic groups, and religions found in this country. When you read the Constitution, the Constitution gives us a right to believe or not believe in what, whatever deity we want. God gives us the choice to believe in the one true God or not. Tolerance for differences is also a responsibility of citizenship and is in the Declaration of Independence. And if you haven't read those for a long time, you should actually read them. I had to because they were on the tests. And you had to take tests and there was a hundred questions that you had to um, you know, uh, try to remember. So when I was... Um, so now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> So, um, more important, become stronger, as I said. Uh, when I decided to become a U.S. citizen, I was willing to fulfill the responsibilities of citizenship. We also asked uh, that we will honor and respect the freedoms and opportunities citizenship gives us. And, you gotta be, and they ask you to become an active member in your community. It's by participating in your community that you truly become an American. 
Now, that's a lot to ponder. And that's not in every constitution, by the way. Uh, coming from England, that's not in there. In any of the laws and the regulations and things like that about becoming a good citizen, you must do these kind of things. So the founding fathers really knew what they were talking about. So again, I would just say, go back and read them. So after all of that, and there's a lot more story behind that that I'm not going to bore you with. But it led me to ask myself, now that I'm a citizen of the USA, uh, what are the responsibilities of becoming a citizen of the kingdom? And what responsibilities that I thought I knew have I been taking for granted? So today we're going to go through Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 29, as well as some others. You want to flick it to the... All right, good. But we'll just leave it there for a minute, uh, Ethan. Uh, and I'll get to the verse in a minute. Now, I know you've gone through some of this with Michael because we've all been listening to Michael. It's been great uh, going through Mark, actually. I've been enjoying that. But today is a diff slightly different spin. Now, if you've lived in a foreign country, there's a little bit of an intro here. You know, and I have, and I've been in a couple of different countries. You know that although you may engage with and be part of that culture, there are certain things such as language, customs, or beliefs that may be in stark contrast to the ones you're accustomed to in your homeland. And I know when you do mission work, uh, you get that too. You've got to really focus on what are those, what are their, you know, you don't want to step on their beliefs and you try to mold them a little bit. Paul likened our experience on earth to that of foreigners in a land that is not ours, awaiting our return home. Our citizenship, he argued, was in heaven and not on earth. And that's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. We're not going to pull these up. We're just going to let you do a Bible drill <laughs> if you want. Uh, as kingdom citizens, our devotion is to the Lord alone. We should influence whatever areas of culture to which God has allowed us to be a part. We should be on the front lines in our local communities, seeking to hold those in office accountable to kingdom values. And it's not bullying them, it's holding them accountable. That's the difference there. Rather than being swept up in the debates and divisions of this place, Christians should be the ones helping to make his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Some time ago when I was living in Germany and I was at work, most of the initial conversation with the people I had there were the same topics again and again. And the questions come up like, do you like Germany? Do you like German food? Some of it. What is the difference between Germany and America? One day, I, but, you know, then one day came along and I had a conversation. I was expecting the same questions over and over, and I'll always remember it. I was talking with a young Chinese man on our training team in Germany. And that was one of the fun things about being in Germany. I was working for Audi at the time. And because uh, you'd see all these different cultures coming in, and you get a different, you get to respect the different cultures and understand what they're going through. I told this uh, Chinese man that I was a Christian and believe in Jesus because we were having a conversation about it. This is what he said to me. What can I get if I become a Christian? If I become a Christian, would God, would God help me emigrate to the United States? He completely misunderstood what it means to be a Christian. He was focused only on the material benefit because he lives in a materialistic society, and so do we. If you're saved, God has opened your eyes to the truth. Hopefully, you would ask a better question. Hopefully, you ask... What is a Christian supposed to do or what is a Christian supposed to be? Instead of his question, what does a Christian get? So let's get a little personal. In what ways do you find yourself being more, and you don't have to raise your hand and ask, answer these questions. <laughs> 
In what ways do you find yourself being more like an earthly citizen instead of a heavenly one? How have you responded to our current cultural climate? Do you feel like you helped to inform your culture or did you allow the culture to inform your beliefs and ideas? If someone looked at your life through the social media posts, your spending habits, the words you say, and how you live in general, would they describe you as a devoted citizen of heaven or an earthly citizen of this world? What would, what, what would it like to live in a king, as a kingdom citizen in your workplace? That's right, just slow down, you're okay. What would it look like to live as a kingdom citizen in your workplace, in your home, your neighborhood, your community, and your country? What specific actions would a kingdom citizen do? Now, many think that being a Christian means simply you've got to go to church, we're all here, and you've got to pray, or you've got to fake it sometimes. But what did Jesus say his followers should be like? So that's where we get into it. So finally, on to Mark. Michael went over some of this, as I said, last week. Again, just a little bit of a different spin on some of the things we were talking about. So Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 29. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. It will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself... First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And this is some of the things where Michael talked about last week, and he talked about getting dirty. And he sort of rang for me about getting dirty with that. So the next slide, uh, after we get past, oh, you got John in there now, do you? I am like okay. Keep going. Let's go on to the next. Oh, these are the other one. Never mind. Just you just put in everything I put in. That's all right. So we'll we'll just keep going. So I got uh, so some of the things we talk about here is what are the things uh, that you should identify with. So you should publicly identify with Christ as one. You should be faithful to listen to and apply the word as two, and. It should grow spiritually as three. So in this chapter of Mark, Jesus is sharing parables about the kingdom of God. And I love parables. I just, it, just something I really get a kick out of because I love the way it can make you think about it in a different way. So we are citizens of God's kingdom. Today we're going to look at what Jesus expected citizens in his kingdom to be like. If you will, these are our responsibilities. So in this chapter of Mark... Oh, so they should publicly identify with Christ is the first one then. Let's just do that. Jesus used a common object to teach people a simple lesson. lesson. I'm going to put my teeth in, right? These days we uh, also use lamps, although now they're mostly electric. Do you do this? Do you turn on a lamp and then do you completely cover it up? 
Do you turn on a lamp and then put it into your wardrobe or your closet and then shut the door? Of course you don't. Jesus asks again, is it not uh, brought to be put on the lampstand? The purpose of the lamp is to shine out. It's not only not hidden, but it's set on a stand so that its light can shine even more prominently. It is not reasonable or logical to cover it up. So how does this apply to us as kingdom citizens? So we are light bearers who reflect the light of, G- of Christ. And that's in John chapter 8, verse 12, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. So in those verses, we learn that Jesus is the light of the world. This was one of seven of the I am statements that you hear about that Jesus made about himself. He showed that being the light of the world is one of the key aspects of his nature. In Revelations 21, verse 23, he says, Here we see that in God's eternal kingdom, there will not need to be a sun or a moon or lamps as light comes directly from Jesus. An everlasting reminder of Jesus' innate goodness and holiness. Ephesians 5, 8. Now here we learn that we are actually light in the Lord. Oh, it's good. It's up there. Thank you, Michael. Here we learn that we're actually light in the Lord, just as God takes away our sin and puts his righteousness onto us. He takes away our darkness and puts his light into us. When we are saved, he lights the lamps of our hearts. Your life will not shine brighter through your own efforts because you have no light of your own. Again, just think about just as mice uh, cannot create fire, neither can you shine spiritually by yourself. And as I was writing that, I hope that mice can't create fire (laughs) because that could be a problem. So how can we shine brighter? How can we light up the world around us? Exodus chapter 34, verse 29, and I, I promise it's not a Bible drill. This is just me showing you where the, where the uh, pieces are. Moses' face was shining. You think about Moses coming down the hill, it's down the mountain. It's, it's just amazing when you, re- when you really read it again. His face was shining because he spent time with God. He encountered God. He communed with God. This encounter with God left Moses a completely different person. Inwardly, he was different, but outwardly, he was also different. The people of Israel could see that something special had happened. They could see that Moses was different. He was glowing. It's amazing. In a similar way, if you spend time with God, you will be changed. The more quality time you spend with him, the more your life will shine. He'll change you from the inside out. Your attitude will be different. Your countenance will be different. Your words and tone of voice will be different. What you want to talk about will be different. As you continue to be changed and you shine more and more brightly for Christ, your family and friends will notice. And when they do, use the opportunity to let them know it is because of the Lord. So that as Matthew says in chapter 5, verse 16, they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That means the goal of shining the light is not so people will notice how good you are. It's so they will be attracted to the Lord. Jesus is saying here that it's unreasonable and illogical to claim to have faith in Christ and then keep that faith a secret. Now, as illogical as it is, sometimes believers do not publicly profess their faith in front of others. I've done it. And it just doesn't, I mean, I know I do it sometimes, and sometimes I just don't feel like being bothered. And that's when the Lord wants you to speak the most. But, you know, we are human, and we, it's all emotion, and we try to keep moving forward. Sometimes they're afraid of persecution. Sometimes they're afraid of being ridiculed. 
Sometimes they simply just want to fit in with the others around them. Sometimes they're embarrassed because maybe they know they're not acting like believers. Now, if you're sometimes in one of these groups, I want to tell you something. It's a sin. It is sinful to hide your faith. You don't have to be afraid. You should follow the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, who said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Fear God rather than man. I want each of you to think about a question. Do all of the people who are close to you, such as your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, do they know that you're a believer? If not, why not? And if they do know you're a Christian because of your words, do they see the light of Christ in you? If you invited them to come to church, would your life witness in front of them make them want to come with you or make them hesitate? It is better to boldly proclaim your faith because it will be discovered anyway. Now, if I read uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 22 out of context, I wouldn't think, I mean, I would think that it encouraged people not to hide bad things because one day they'd be found out. Now, its principle is true and is taught throughout the Bible. However, when you look at the whole verse, uh, it doesn't seem to fit into context. In the context, it seems that the things hidden is a person's salvation. The idea is that you should not hide your faith because at some point you'll be found out anyway. If you don't, of your own accord, tell your friends or family about your faith, they will probably find out on their own. Then when they do find out, it'll seem as if they are uncovering a secret that you're doing something bad rather than announcing something good. Don't hide. Now in China, I learned a lot about China from, uh, uh, again, there was a bunch of uh, Chinese delegates in Germany and it was fun talking with them. And I find out that in China, many new believers are nervous about telling their parents about their faith. I mean, more than nervous, they're afraid. They know that their parents will, not, will likely not approve. I once knew, uh, again, a young Chinese believer named Jack. And Jack was at the, uh, the training department. His parents had apparently heard some rumors that he became a believer. And they were really upset. They wanted to make sure that he was not joining any Christian meetings. They'd call him up on video chat at random times and ask him to turn his video on and do a 360 around the room so they could see where he was to prove he was not in a Christian meeting. For a while, Jack was afraid to admit to his parents that he was a believer. But at the same time, he didn't want to stop learning more about God. He was afraid and miserable and worried about being found out. His parents were suspicious that he was involved in something bad, something that would take their own son away from them. Now, I encouraged him to be honest and do have honest communications with his family, with his parents, and try to understand what they were worried about so that he could be better. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. <coughs> to, so he could better communicate with them and address their concerns. He reluctantly talked with them. They told him that a Christian sect in their town was full of people who didn't go to work. They didn't make a living for themselves. They just lounged around and prayed and waited for the second coming. They were afraid that if Jack was a believer, he would quit his job and join the other Christians, sipping sodas and reclining in lounge chairs. Sorry. <coughs> Can I get a bottle of water somewhere? Thanks. Apologize. Gets so dry this time of year. All right. Uh, <coughs> Okay, 
So they just lounged around and sipping sodas. And w once he understood their concerns, he actually, uh, you know, I, I was counseling him, talking about to just, just see what their problems are. He was able to share with them the truth, such as in Second Thessalonians 3.10, where we also give you the rule that if you don't work, you don't eat. He told them what it really meant to be a believer and what it meant to him. It was a personal choice, and, it was, and that's, that was the key for him, for his parents. The result was that they weren't suspicious or worried anymore. And it doesn't happen all the time. It just happened with him. They stopped calling him and asked him to prove where he was. The lesson in the verse for us is this. It's better to proactively share your faith with your parents and others than it is for them to find out about it on their own. One rule of, if you think about it, one rule of a good general is that he should always choose himself the place and time of battle. And they'll all tell you the same thing. He should act instead of react. By coming forward to your parents, you can better communicate the truth of the word at a time when they will be more likely to listen. You'll be able to experience God's peace knowing you are not hiding anything. Your parents will be able to see how important this is to you and your faith will be better able to grow because it's not because it's not being covered. There's no cover over the lamp or over your light. Now, not all parents are going to accept it and not all people will accept it. In which case, you still have to stand for what is right. So how can you start? One person shared the following idea with me about with a student, and I thought I'd uh, pull it here. And basically, he said he went up to his parents and said, Mom and Dad, you sent me to a university to learn more about the world. While I was in university, I learned something really important that's changed my life, and I'd like to share it with you. And that was a good starting point for them, and it helped. didn't change a lot for later, but it helped him at that m point in time because he was professing his faith. In Deuteronomy 6, we learn that believers should write God's word on their foreheads. I'm not sure I would do that. And put his words on their gateposts and doorways. The purpose is so that the people around you will know who you are. If you listen and apply. So you listen and apply. You're going to be faithful to listen to and apply the word. We learn this in verses 23 through 25 of, of chapter 4. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. A similar phrase is seen in Matthew uh, chapter 7 verse 2 and Luke chapter 6 verse 38. In both cases, this similar phrase has a similar meaning to the phrase, you reap what you sow. In Luke, we see that if you're generous to others, then the Lord will be generous with you. In the passage in Matthew, we see that when you hold others to a certain standard, then God will also judge you if you don't reach that standard. This phrase seems a little foreign and hard to understand to us, but consider at that time that deals were often made by using weights, scales, and measures. And it really, you know, you've got to put yourself in the time frame of when they were and why they used these different parables. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, in the verse we learn that God doesn't like it when people use dishonest scales. Sellers should not rig their scales to cheat their customers. The phrase likely meant if you deal honestly and in, with integrity, then generally others will deal with you the same way and vice versa, which really fits what we do nowadays work with integrity so back to the passage jesus's focus is on listening and understanding his message we see this in verses 23 and 24 of mark then taken in this context jesus's message is this if you diligently listen to jesus's words seek to understand them and obey them then he will re reward you by giving you even more knowledge 
If, re- if you reject what God has shown you, then he'll not show you anything more. <coughs> so don't reject. Basically, be open. Open your heart. Imagine this, there's a school librarian. He's very passionate about his job and loves to guide visitors to the library to the knowledge contained inside. He passionately recommends books and encourages all comers to borrow books and read them thoroughly. Two kids visit the library, Michael and Willis, who isn't here. See? (laughs) He gives a personal recommendation. After one day, Willis comes back. He's already finished the book. It's in pristine condition. Willis talks with the librarian about what he learned inside. The librarian recommends another book. He takes the book. Willis diligently reads it at every moment possible. When he finishes it, he returns the book. The librarian's impressed that he remembers the content. This time, he suggests two books. But then Michael didn't return. Gosh, Michael. The librarian had to call Michael just to remind him that the book was overdue. Michael comes back and with downcast eyes, <laughs> with downcast eyes, hands the book back. It's dirty and the cover is ripped. I'm sure he said the dog chewed it. The librarian asks what he learned. Michael, or the chickens. Michael confesses that he didn't read it. He played video games instead. <laughs> what will the librarian do? Will the librarian passionately recommend another book? No. The librarian will take the first book, fine Michael for returning it late and in poor condition, and give him a stern rebuke. Perhaps he'll even take Michael's library card. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Hey, that's right. <laughs> Hiding behind the mask. That's good. And I'm not good at getting them back to the library on time. So well, there you go. Check him for, <laughs> just, just check him for dog chews and chicken marks, okay? Because we know he likes video games. Jesus is telling his disciples to pay attention. If a person does listen, he'll reward them by teaching them more. If a person doesn't listen, he'll not invest more time teaching them. Take care who and what you listen to. Jesus encouraged the spiritually sensitive to listen to him and pay attention. There were other forces vying for the crowd's attention, and there still is now. The Pharisees, uh, sorry, there were other forces vying for the crowd's attention, and most prominently the Pharisees, who said that Jesus did miracles by the power of Satan. Jesus often said, truly, truly, I say to you, this is a reminder to listen up. I used to do that in training all the time. When you want to get people's attention, you go, listen up. So little did they know it was biblical at the time. To pay attention. The same idea is, in De- is seen in Deuteronomy 6.4 where they te- it says, hear. So you've got to listen up. You've got to hear. They're telling you to listen all the time. There's a lot of listening things. The, dis- the disciples had an obligation to listen to Jesus. We do too. There will be many people giving advice on how to live and what to do, including your friends, family, teachers, bosses, and government. Do not allow worldly forces to shape your convictions and actions. Instead, form your convictions and beliefs from the word and allow that to shape your reaction to other people's suggestions. And I'll add that if you're shaping your uh, convictions from the word, make sure you're shaping it with fellow Christians and that you can sit down and discuss things together. It's easy to get off track. So it pulls you back in. That's why Bible studies, uh, we're in one on Wednesday with David and groups. And that's why it's always good because you hear, you know, you start focusing on the different opinions and the different thoughts. And that's really good 
when you can bring it back to the word and go, yeah, but you might think this, but the word says this. <coughs> so now we're going to talk about growing spiritually. Kingdom citizens should eagerly study God's word. God will honor the person who eagerly receives his message. If you love to learn his words, he will teach you more. If you hunger, he will feed you. So what are some ways we can do? We can be better listeners of the world. Word. Pray before you go to church or Bible study and ask the Lord to prepare your heart to receive the message he has for you. I know that's really difficult when you have little kids because <laughs> we were there. <laughs> it's more about getting them, get in the car. And then he has for you. <laughs> and then that's the praying gets kind of forgotten sometimes until you get to church. Turn off your phones unless you're taking notes on them, which is, I mean, I do. During church, Bible studies, and devotions. Uh, focus on the person you're listening to that shows them a proper respect. Don't listen to a sermon as a critic, especially mine. No. <laughs> Looking for things to argue about or disagree with. Instead, ask the question, what can I learn and apply from this? Even if the sermon's not very good, I'm right, I'm there is... There is... <laughs> There is probably something you can learn from it. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Take notes. I'm pretty sure you, most of you would take notes from important exams back in when, when you were a student. And for me, that was quite a while back, except for when I was taking the citizenship. That's, a, that's the Lord telling me to <laughs> or move on. <laughs> Don't pick on the Lord's anointed one. Uh, oh, boy. So you take notes, uh, and I had to start learning to take notes again uh, when I was before I took the citizenship test. Uh, do you take notes during sermons or Bible study? Is taking notes helpful? If it is helpful to remember the content, then why aren't we doing it? Uh, I can't answer for you, but I can answer for myself. When I don't take notes, normally it's because I'm lazy. Uh, I figure, I don't need this. I can do this. And then I come back, and I'm always asking Diane, so what did he say? It's much easier to sit and listen than to take notes. It may be easier, but it's passive. Taking notes takes energy. But that's Jesus' whole point. Jesus wants us to use energy. His word is so important, it's worth it to expand a lot of energy to understand it. Those who don't pay attention are warned of dire consequences. Is God the one taking away the knowledge from people? Now you take a look at Mark chapter 4, verse 15 and 18. Uh, Michael spoke in the past about the, uh, the world and Satan vying for our attention. And that's what that's about. It's, uh, there's other forces vying for your attention. If a person doesn't listen to and respond to the word, then the world and Satan will take away the seed that doesn't take firm root. We learned that last week. And why would a sower keep sowing on ground that's not fertile? See, even the American way of saying that. The lesson for us is that we must use it or lose it. If you don't use what you learn, then you'll soon forget it. That is why I encourage each person to write down specific application each week from the sermon. And then the next week, check, check each other. Talk to each other about it. We also can't persuade people to believe. I've tried. And when I became an, uh, a Christian in my 30s, I don't remember the exact time. But in my 30s, when I became a Christian, I, it's like you get on fire and you want to get everybody and you want to shake them and do whatever. And all you do is scare them to death. So you'll not be able to persuade people to believe through, their own through your own arguments. Since you can't persuade people to believe, you should pray more. 
Pray that God will soften their hearts and cause the seed to grow. It worked for me. Just ask Diane. Our job is to keep sowing the seed. We don't know where it'll take root. We don't know when it'll take root. God wants us to grow spiritually. A kingdom citizen must grow. Sometimes the growth is fast. Sometimes it's slower. But always there should be growth. Day to day, the differences might not be very clear, but little by little, a believer makes forward movement. Step by step, he becomes more like Jesus. So how can you become more like Jesus this week? How does God want you to grow? Ask yourself those questions as you're going through the days. You should take the next step. One of the reasons many Christians struggle to live as heavenly citizens is that knowledge of politics and worldly issues is greater than their understanding of Scripture. Honestly, evaluate your time spent in God's Word. And I would recommend you do join a Bible study if you can. If you have time for it, you should join a Bible study because it certainly does help you, uh, your understanding of Scripture. Do you invest as much in your knowledge of the uh, character and story of God as you do in politics or earthly concerns? What's the one thing you can do to grow in your understanding of the things of God? How can your prayer life express your faithful citizenship to the kingdom of Christ? Do you pray about the issues that concern you? Do you ask the Lord for wisdom as you engage culture? Or do you merely express your opinions and ideas without consulting God and his word? I've done both. And I'm sure <laughs> most of you, if you're honest with yourselves, you've done both. After hearing this, me- this week's message, do you need to repent to the Lord? Have you been living as an earthly citizen instead of pledging your allegiance to Christ? If so, confess ways you've put your hope in and reliance on the systems of this world rather than in Christ alone. Think about one way you can inform the culture in your home, workplace, neighborhood, community, and country as a kingdom citizen. Just boldly step out in faith and live out your true citizenship by acting accordingly this week. Good Christians are good citizens. And there's one thing I learned throughout this whole process of becoming a citizen. We demonstrate that, b- we demonstrate that by submitting... Sorry. We demonstrate that by submitting in public ways, by serving in pleasing ways, and by showing in preferential ways. Ultimately, it all comes down to whether we have submitted and surrendered to God as our highest authority. God's name is used four times in five verses because it's not about you or your boss or your teacher or your mayor or the governor or the Supreme Court or the president. It's all about God. At its core, submission is a spiritual issue. Have you submitted and surrendered to the Savior? It's time to fall in line with him as your Lord. So now on to closing. A lot of you know that I'm not much of a sports fan. And if you mentioned something, I would, if you'd say a name of a team, I'd, I wouldn't even know if it was a hockey team or a football team or whatever. And you. But someone I know sent me the, this note about Roger Staubach. And I'm sure a lot of you may know this. He apparently led the Dallas Cowboys to the world championship in 1971. He admitted that his position as a quarterback who didn't call his own signals was a source of trial for him. Coach Tom Landry sent in every play and told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could he change the play. And he'd better get it right. And that's actually on a video where you said it to him one time. You better get this right. 
even though Staubach considered Coach, Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to football strategy, Pride said that he should be able to run his own team. Roger later said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. So those are good words to think about. Harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Have you faced up to the issue of obedience? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we can all be closer to you and we can be fully committed to uh, kingdom citizenship and have us be accountable to each other. I also pray that everyone has a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Duncan. Let's, let's show our gratitude to Duncan for bringing the word. Before I dismiss you today, I, I want to leave you with a couple of good things, uh, or c- at least one good thing. Last week, we packed the boxes for Operation Christmas Child, and we got right at 100 boxes. So that's awesome. Thank you for being a part of that. Next year, next year we'll know better what we're doing, and we'll do even more. And um, it's going to be awesome. It was so much fun. Did any of y'all see the pictures? I need to see that through. The best, I think the best pictures were um, Leslie bringing her mom through in her wheelchair and, uh, and Miss Francis loading up the, the boxes for that. That was fantastic. Um, next... Sunday is Thanksgiving Sunday, right? Is that right? Yeah, Thanksgiving Sunday. There's going to be a benefit dinner for Donnie Easter next Sunday if you uh, want to pick up something. Now, I know you can probably eat two dinners on Thanksgiving Sunday. So Donnie Easter, he's one of our own. Donnie's having a lot of health issues. Donnie's uh, fighting brain cancer. You guys pray for him. Awesome guy, wonderful guy, great family. Pray for him. Pray for Don as well. Uh, Don Sr., Donnie's father, who's having some heart issues. But, uh, hey, we got a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. I hope the Lord blesses you this year. hope you have a wonderful one. And um, if I look a little fatter the next time you see me, just know I've had a good Thanksgiving. Potatoes and gravy, oh, my goodness, that's my love language. That's the good stuff right there. Let's close in prayer, and, and we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, we love you so very much. Thank you for... Thank you for loving us through everything. Lord, we pray, we'll pray that we'll be good citizens of your kingdom, that we'll, we'll take part, we'll participate, and we'll represent you well. Lord, we love you so much. Thanks for your blessings. And this week, I pray you'll renew our understanding of how truly blessed and how we are and how truly thankful we should be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless you guys. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>